This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions podcast. My name is Russell Osborne and this is an independent England football supporters podcast. I hope I find you well. Fabulous reaction to the recent episode that I put out. The one all about the stage production of Dear England. Thank you very much for the uh, the feedback on that one. Uh, it's available at threelionspodcast.com or your usual podcast provider. Uh, if you haven't heard it yet, go and, uh, go and give it a listen. It's slightly different to what I've uh, usually done, but it's England related. I hope you'll enjoy it. But here we are. The Women's World Cup is finally here. It's underway all the way from New Zealand and Australia. However, uh, from the Northern Hemisphere, it is a bit painful with regards to the broadcast times. Uh, some of the first games of the day are, are whilst we're still tucked up in bed. Uh, although I was able to see the opener, New Zealand against Norway. Um, simply the stars aligned and the school summer holidays had begun and I was designated Daddy Daycare. However, though, it was so unfortunate that the events in Auckland earlier in the day cast a, a bit of a shadow over that opener. I've been to New Zealand and it's such a placid, beautiful country. Things like that, they're a rarity. Uh, so thoughts with anyone affected there. But on the pitch, wow, New Zealand getting their first World Cup win at the 16th attempt, uh, beating Norway by a goal to nil. Australia, later in the day, also recorded a victory by the same scoreline, this over the Republic of Ireland. Now, I only got to see highlights of Friday's games. Uh, Spain cruise into a 3-0 win over Costa Rica. Canada drawing with Nigeria. Uh, Christine Sinclair there, missing a penalty, where had she scored it, she would have become the first player to score in six successive World Cups. Uh, this was something I wasn't aware of. And of course, uh, she's still got time to uh, achieve that. But she scored back in USA 2003. She got two there. Three at China 2007. One in Germany 2011. Uh, in fact, she got Canada's only goal in that tournament as they bowed out in the group stage. Two in Canada 2015 and one in France 2019. Uh, as I say, an amazing achievement and one, as I say, I'm ashamed I, I wasn't aware of. Now, coming up on this episode, I will be chatting with Dom Smith from the Evening Standard about the Lionesses match against Haiti. Uh, but I'll also be hearing from you and especially fans who have made their way across to the other side of the world to follow the Lionesses. Now, this is my first reporter. This is David Gorton, who sent this on his arrival into Brisbane. Hello there. My name is Dave Gorton. I am a Stourbridge FC and England supporter, and I've been following the men's and women's team of both of those teams for some time. I have attended two previous World Cups with the Lionesses. Uh, I did two group games in Germany 
in 2011, five games, including all the knockout matches in France in 2019. When the 2023 tournament was announced as being in Australia, I decided I would save up the pennies, head out for my first ever trip to the Southern Hemisphere. And I'll be over here for all three of England's group games, uh, which, as we know, are being held in Brisbane, Sydney and Adelaide, and also taking in Germany versus Morocco. So I'm recording this uh, just before 11pm, a local time in, in Brisbane. Uh, we're nine hours ahead of the UK here. Uh, rode in Brisbane early this morning and was able to get in a bit of a recce. Uh, ahead of the first game, um, I booked to go into a local brewery tour this uh, morning. Uh, what else do you start with in Australia? And as it turned out, the brewery was just a couple of blocks away from the Suncorp Stadium, or Lang Park to give it its traditional name, and the name which I believe it is being referred to during the World Cup because of sponsorship rules. Suncorp's very easy to get to, just it's a couple of stops on the train outside Brisbane Central. Uh, bearing in mind uh, we're in the height of winter over here, uh, the temperatures in Brisbane are still quite high. Uh, it peaked at around 25 degrees during the afternoon. Uh, although it does cool down a bit later in the day, so I'll definitely be taking a jacket when I go to the game. Um, not a great deal of uh, choice of food and drink outside the stadium. There, There is a Mackey's at the local petrol station, but I suspect that'll be heaving come match day, but plenty to choose in the city itself. I also had a chance to have a look at the Fan Festival area. That's just a short walk from South Brisbane Station, which is also just a couple of stops from Brisbane Central. And I caught the last 10 minutes on the big screen of the Philippines-Switzerland game on there. Didn't see too many England shirts in attendance. I suspect there'll be a lot more there come match day ahead of the game. Did have the opportunity on the flight over to uh, watch live the opening two games of the tournament. So um, the one I'm looking at mostly is uh, the Australia game against Ireland, as they could well be England's second round opponents, should we both get through. Uh, the Aussie did seem a bit laboured in their win. Um, they won 1-0, and it wasn't that much of that was down to Sam Kerr's absence. I know one player doesn't make a team, but they did seem a little bit lacking without her um, normally commanding presence. Um I suppose you could argue in a tournament a win's a win, uh, especially in your first game, and that's more than Canada managed against Nigeria when uh, they took each other on. Not heard any team news ahead of tomorrow's game. Um, Haiti are a bit of an unknown quantity. Uh, you'd think we should have enough firepower to get the result, uh, even with our notable absentees in the uh, in the side. Um, I would like to think there's plenty of opportunities for the likes of Alessia Russo, A. Rachel Daly, Chloe Kelly, and so on to get a few opportunities to get something into the net. Uh, but we shall see. Uh, never take anything for granted. Busy day tomorrow. Uh, I'm heading off to the uh, Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary. And then I'll be taking a ride on the Wheel of Brisbane, which is a London Eye type construction, which is just a few minutes from the fan festival area. And after that, uh, I'll be game on. So more after that. Love that. Thanks to David there. We'll be hearing more from him later in the episode and hopefully as the competition unfolds with his time in Australia. Now, if you'd like to get involved, whether you are at home or down under, send me a voice note. Open up your phone, record some of your thoughts and observations and email it to threelionspodcast at gmail.com. Three Lions Podcast, that's three spelt T-H-R-E-E, Three Lions Podcast at gmail.com.
Now, going into the game against Haiti, the Lionesses hadn't scored in three games uh, against Australia, Portugal, and as well, there was a, a warm-up match against Canada. Uh, so the game in Brisbane, England began in a 4-3-3. Mary Earps, Lucy Bronze, Kira Walsh, Alex Greenwood, Millie Bright, Georgia Stanway, Ella Toon, Lauren Hemp, Jess Carter, Chloe Kelly and Alessia Russo. Uh, a few things to cover there. Uh, and I'm pleased to say we'll do that as I've been joined by Dom Smith from the Evening Standard. Hello, Dom. Hello there. How are we? Yeah, I'm all very well, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, all good, thank you. Finally underway, the Women's World Cup. Excited for it? Yeah, I, absolutely. It's been brilliant so far. You know, there have been some great goals. I was watching Spain the other day and uh, Bon Mati scored a brilliant goal where she found the corner. There's been some good good strikes so far. A few missed penalties as well. We like a good missed penalty. I'm sure we'll come on to that because it was relevant today um, with England Haiti. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good start. It's been a good start. Well, just say before the tournament started and before the Haiti game, what what were your thoughts for England? Yeah, I don't, I don't think they'll win. I did. I didn't think that, that they would win. Um, I don't know who will win. I think Germany or the USA, um, just because they've got big game experience, go in as the two favourites for me. England, I just don't. Before this match, the uh, Haiti manager. Um, Nicola Delapine said that he thinks that England have got trouble goal, uh, scoring goals. You, you mentioned it previously as well. England scored 80 goals in qualifying, 80 goals in 10 games. No, no uh, men's or women's team from any nation has ever managed that in a World Cup or Euros qualifying campaign before. I was a, I was in minus one degrees. I was in Doncaster when they beat Latvia 20 nil. But in the last three games, they've they've not they've not scored against Canada. They've not scored against Portugal. They've not scored in that defeat against Australia and they only scored against Brazil in the finalissima right at the beginning of the game. So I don't think it's unfair to say that there is now a problem for England finding goals from open play. And I thought that would that would dog them a little bit throughout this tournament. And I still, you know, I saw nothing today that that convinces me that to change my mind, I'm afraid. I, I, I am concerned about it. I think that England just look a little bit stodgy. They, they don't look like they have got, they've got the same like tempo setting control of matches that they were having. I know they were playing some limited opposition, but they were also playing a lot of games where they weren't playing limited opposition. They've had two rounds, two years worth of the Arnold Clark Cup where they've yep. won, where they won both and the competition in both was pretty good, decent teams. Yeah. They beat the USA in, in, in October. And I think in all these games, I expect England to see a lot of the ball. I expect Kira Walsh and Georgia Stanway to see a lot of the ball. I haven't really seen that in 2023 yet. I don't, I don't feel like I've seen England taking their time on the ball. I, today, it, it, I know we'll get into the match, but it felt like a continuation of previous matches in this calendar year where it's just been a bit a bit pinball. You know, the ball right. has been jumping two teams, very transitional, not very much control. I don't think that England will go out in the group stage, for goodness sake. Obviously oh. not. But I think it could be quarterfinals or semifinals and out. And uh, with the ability that England have now, even despite the injuries, I think that would go down as disappointment, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there is a scenario where the round of 16 could be a uh, a bit of a banana skin. But we'll uh, well maybe we'll come to that as and when. I'm sure everyone knows that the, the full-time result was 1-0 to England over Haiti. Now, I'm going to 
I'll hold my hands up. I said this on Twitter. I think I I undervalued Haiti, probably because well, A, I haven't seen a huge amount of them. B, it was their first World Cup. And I probably overrated England thinking surely they can't play any worse than they have done in recent games. Um, but yeah, it appears Haiti were were tougher than 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 people thought they were going to be. Very sort of fast on the ball, physical on occasions, quite an all-round team that would probably give Denmark or, or China a game. Well, to even be at this World Cup is a ridiculously big success for the, for the country. Um, they've had a lot of, of things to contend with. They, they obviously are still recovering as a nation from the 2010 hurricane that killed yeah. over 100,000 people. Um, there are floods or hurricanes, you know, one or the other really every year that, that, that trouble the country to some extent. I think there was a report in October that said that 40% of Haitians are, in a, are suffering with a, acute hunger. Wow. Um, and in in the football sense, they're they're in a bit of turmoil as well because uh, in October, their former the disgraced former president of the Haitian FA goes to court um, for an appeal with a, alleged allegations that he sexually abused football uh, female footballers in the country. Oh um, and that was acquitted, but but it's been campaigners have managed to get it back on trial. So to have overcome all those things and to still be at the World Cup is a ridiculous success. And I think that it could be one of the best stories of the World Cup in a month's time that they were even there in the first place, let alone how well they do. They, But they have got some good players. They've got some brilliant players. They've got a player called Melchi Dumanet, who I think everyone will know about by now. She's 19 years old. She starred at the 2018 Under-20s World Cup, under-20s at the age of 14. Wow. Amazing. So absolutely incredible. She's signed for Lyon this summer. And if you, if anyone who knows about the women's game knows that if you want to sign for anyone, it's Leon. So uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, um, they were brilliant. I thought I thought they were brilliant, and I actually think for a team whose best players seem to be their attacking players, their kind of raw, raw pace out wide, their their, their physical power in in, um, in the centre of um, up, up front. It really surprised me how disciplined and how well they played defensively. I didn't think that England had many spaces to exploit, whereas when Haiti counterattacked, they did have spaces to exploit. England left some big gaps in moments in that match. And I don't think you could say that about the um, about the Haitians. Yeah, I thought they were very impressive. I really do. Well, let, let's start with maybe England at the back. Millie Bright, I think it's safe to say she's still a bit rusty having not played since... I think it's March time, is it, um, to, to come in and to be in the cut and thrust of a, a World Cup game. Um, and she was she was alongside Jess Carter as, as centre-backs, which I know there's there's talk for, for Alex Greenwood maybe being her partner, but then there's like the, uh, was it left-sided of, of the pitch and Jess Carter not being able to fit in. But I'm wondering if that's something that might need to be looked at against for the next game against Denmark. Because you say there there were space for Haiti there. She's, she's a good tough tackler, is Jess Carter, but I'm not sure she's positionally that adept because she's not really a centre back by trade, as far as I'm aware. Um, or she doesn't often play there. She doesn't always play there, yeah. certainly for Chelsea. And I'm not sure that she. I, I, I'm surprised that a player like Lotta Vubenmoy isn't isn't starting ahead of her alongside. Um, Millie Bright, but but Vubamoy doesn't always start for Arsenal, so that might explain some of it. 
Yeah, England did look rusty at the back, I think. There were, there were big spaces. Um, I've, I've always thought that, like, uh, when Lucy Bronze won, won her FIFA Best Player of the Year award in 2019, I think that maybe earned her a bit of free, a couple of years worth of freedom from from criticism that maybe she didn't deserve. I think Lucy Bronze is a fantastic player, but I do think that she can be like bundled off the ball a little bit easy. And I'm not sure that Lucy Bronze is always that good positionally. I think she can get caught, and I think that teams can um, attack down down her wing. You, you might think that's a crazy statement, but like having watched England for a few years, I, I do think that she, she can get caught quite high, and then and then you have players having to to move over and. Yeah. and cover for her and I think the same could be true for Alex Greenwood but I think she's probably the player who had the best game of the back four from my perspective Alex Greenwood played the best of the four but but, but the bizarre thing was this was a match that I think they even mentioned this on commentary and I'd, but I'd already been thinking it it was it was a match that that wasn't really played in midfield was it you didn't see no. much, much of the ball in in midfield at moments it, it was a very direct game it was pumped up to the strikers I'm not sure that's necessarily what Alessia Russo feeds off perfectly it was a scruffy old match, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, I say that it was sort of bypassed the midfield, and I was I was going to go straight from the defence to the forwards simply for that reason. And I was slightly surprised that she decided to to go with Russo to start with rather than Rachel Daly. And uh, of course, Beth England was on the bench but didn't get bought on. Um, the attacking, I mean, it's credit to the Haitian defence as well, but we didn't really have. Whilst we had a lot of opportunities and shots there was nothing really that that tested the Haitian keeper no um I mean Alessia Roos has obviously made a really um a really big signing this summer for Manchester United to Arsenal she's a very exciting player she was ridiculously good at the Euros last summer scoring four goals off the bench but I I think she's maybe one of those players who's she's very marketable as a, as a, as a person because she's um, because she scored all those goals at the Euros and she's very good friends of Ella Toon and everyone loves that friendship. They, they, they can't get enough of the content on social media. Yeah. Um, But, but I wonder whether actually Rachel Daly is the slightly better, more natural um, striker. I I certainly would, if if I wanted, if I was a winger and I, and I wanted one of the two of them in the middle, I'd, I'd want Rachel Daly to be the person attacking my cross rather than Alessia Russo. I think if I was putting the playing the ball in behind and expecting one of them to run onto it, I think I'd also favour Daly. I think that it's a close one, and, and I think it's legitimate that we had as much of a debate before this tournament as we did about which one was going to start. But I wouldn't mind seeing Daly given a um, a start now. And that, um, I don't want to sound like all these England fans a few years ago who, when when Harry Kane wasn't scoring in the group stage, were wanting him replaced by Dominic Calvert Lewin. But because I don't think it's like that, I think they're pretty level. Yeah. You know, and I'd quite like to see I'd quite like to see Daly start. Um that said, I don't think it's necessarily Russo's fault that there wasn't uh, that she wasn't able to really make her mark in this match because it, it it was a bit too direct, I think. It, the ball was just kind of flying over her head and it, you know, it, 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 it there wasn't much it wasn't very measured from England, was it? No. No. The goal came on on 29 minutes, a penalty. Um, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Given from a, uh, a crazy handball, quite what, what she was thinking there with both hands up. But Georgia Stanway um, set herself up for the spot, saved initially, uh, and then VAR pulled it back because the keeper had clearly encroached. Um, and then she's, she's tucked it away at the second opportunity. But um, great opportunity to to get underway from the penalty spot. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, initially it wasn't it wasn't a brilliant penalty. It reminded me of some of the penalties that I think she missed three Nikita Paris in the last World Cup, and they were all struck like that. Okay. All the Paris's that she missed last, they kind of struck at a nice height, a nice savable height, mid height, mid to high. I think what you want to be doing with a penalty is either rifling it to the top corner, and not many players can do that, or rifling it into the corners low. I think think that's the safer one, and it's not surprising to me that when she did score, she managed to do it do it by that means. Um, look, the goalkeeper desperately disappointing for her. She's five foot four. <laughs> she can barely reach the crossbar. She's an incredible goalkeeper. She played very well, yeah. um, and I and, and I'm sure people were very happy for her when she saved that penalty. But it, you know, it was quite right. She had she had left her line. You can't do that because you then reduce twelve yards to about eleven yards, and that's not fair. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was right that it was retaken. It was put away nicely, and you know, you don't see players celebrating penalties that often. But when it puts you ahead in a World Cup opener, you're, you're going to celebrate it nicely, aren't you? Yeah. Well, people may be wondering what what's the deal with penalties. Um, we're talking. After the the game between Denmark and China, which ended up in Denmark's favour one nil, but prior to that, in the I think it's eight, England was the eighth game, I believe. Uh, there'd been a penalty in in every game, uh, of which four had been scored and four had been missed. Uh, amazing statistic that one. Not great, is it? Really, <laughs> not great. It's um, entertaining. Yeah. England had four penalties at the last World Cup under Phil Neville and they only scored one. And in the end, it they went out by that means because remember, Steph Horton had a penalty in the semi-final against the US and, of course. and didn't score. You know, it, it, it feels like the most obvious thing anyone could ever say, but you've got to be scoring penalties. I mean, penalties. Like, yeah. I know that, I know it's it's England. We've got a famously bad history <laughs> with these, but, you know, it's it's a pretty good chance to score, and for goodness' sake, if it's in the, if it's in open play and you can pick which player is taking it, you've got to be putting it away. Um, and Georgia Stanway, luckily, she got her reprieve because of the uh, encroachment off the line, and she she did stick it away confidently, and it was, it was a nice moment. Yeah, well, obviously, you've got your penalty taker uh, and you've got your penalty saver, or when you in the form of a goalkeeper, Mary Earps. Um, I, I don't even know if they had a a player of the game for for this game against Haiti. Um, but Mary Epps certainly put her, uh, herself in the frame for that. Well, there will there will have been a official FIFA player of the match, and I'm not quite sure who it is, but there's also going to be an England man of the match. And I, I remember voting on that early today, and I did vote for Mary Earps because oh, I, okay. thought she, I thought she was excellent. Georgia Stanway said after the match, uh, she's a great goalkeeper, and what, what makes a great goalkeeper great is not doing much for the for much of the game and then coming alive at the right moments to keep your side in, in it. And I thought that was a good point and it's certainly true. And it was true of Mary Earps at the Euros because it was pretty fine line who started for England at the Euros. We had quite a few goalkeepers pretty um you know on, on pretty level level playing field in terms of we, we didn't quite know who it was going to be out of Hannah Hampton, Ellie Roebuck and Mary Earps. It ended up being Earps and she played brilliantly and she didn't have to make that many saves throughout the tournament. But when she did make saves, they were really, really important. And they, they often came when she hadn't touched the ball for a long time. And that was certainly true today. Yeah. Um, there were a few really good saves. One that was lashed at her from range. One that where the player cut inside and tried to bend it round her. She stuck her leg out. Um, it was really confident goalkeeping. And and, and when, on a day when a lot of England's play doesn't bode well for the rest of the tournament, her ability to save at the vital moment does bode well. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so it ended 1-0. Um, as in any tournament, though, an opening win is is the most important thing for confidence, for getting yourself top of the group. Um, and we're just referring back to the Euros there. Let's not forget that that we won that one, opening 1-0 against Austria. Um, but I can't help think that, uh, as you said at, at the beginning of the piece there, better teams might take advantage of us. Um, although I, I I had Denmark uh, and China on, I was watching bits of it. I'm, I'm not overly worried about them. Um, I think they'll they'll give us more of a game, but I think we need to be wary going forward. And as I said, the round of sixteen, there is a possibility that that we could um, encounter Australia, which which could be tough. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right to mention that bigger teams could punish England. And I actually think that although Leah Williamson is the face of this team and she's the captain that lifted the trophy last summer and she's the heart of the defence, I think that the biggest miss this summer really is Beth Mead. I did an interview with her uh, this week and I I said to her, you know, did the Euros change your life? And she said, of course, of course it changed my life. And, I, and I, I, I majored on what she achieved last year individually. I said, did you know that you're the first player ever to uh, from any men's or women's um, teams in the Euros or the World Cup ever to achieve the top scorer award, the top assister award and the, the, uh, the award for best player of the tournament all in the same tournament. That's a ridiculous hat trick. And that's what she said. She said, it's definitely my favourite hat trick of my career. And she said it took a few days to really get over what she'd done. If you can, if you can remember that, that semi-final against, against Sweden where England hammered Sweden in Sheffield, she, I mean, she only had, I think, one or two shots in that game and she scored. And that is what England are missing, is a clinical finisher. You always felt with Beth Mead when she was making her way into the England team in the latter years of, of, of Phil Neville, 2018, 2019. You always felt that she was a bit different to other wingers because she's utterly clinical. She hits a ball as well as you'd want it hit, as well as, as, well as you'd want it struck. I don't know if I trust England's attackers this year to be quite so clinical, you know, have we got some ridiculous quality? Of course we have. I, I, I would be an idiot to, to say otherwise. Chloe Kelly, Lauren Hemp, Lauren James, you, you've got to be excited by these players. But I'm not sure I trust them to be quite so clinical when they get the chances. And who are you going to get fewer chances against the better teams? So I think we need to sort that out. I do. Yeah. Well, just just mentioning Beth Mead there, I've seen on on Arsenal's social media, she's back in training, she's hitting balls on the training ground, which is which is great to see. Unfortunately, though, she's she's not going to be available for for any of the games in England this summer, but Denmark are next. Uh they beat China by a goal to nil in a last minute goal. Um just any other feelings on the uh, on the World Cup from what you've seen so far? I think it's good that we've been seeing slightly longer stoppage time like we did at the Men's World Cup yeah, in Qatar. Yeah. I think it's good that when there are lots of stoppages and lots of time wasted that, that it's that, that you get that 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 time back. Um I've found it refreshing that a lot of these opening matches when the when the top seeds from each group have been playing in in many cases very new teams, teams who were at their first World Cup, people have been expecting cricket scores and there haven't been any. And I think that's really Hold my hand up there. <laughs> Yeah, me, me too, in some sense, in some cases. But it's been really good that there haven't been that. Um, yeah. and, and teams I've thought, 
one thing that you always worry with with minor nations and, and, and lesser nations is that they may tire towards the end of games. I've noticed the opposite. I've noticed I've noticed these teams growing into matches. When I watched Spain the other day, they only scored in the twenty first, twenty third, and I think twenty seventh minutes. They didn't score after that. I think I think that's refreshing. That's good for the sport, and that that bodes well for the World Cup. You want tight matches. It's, it's going to be very exciting to see which teams get get far in this World Cup because it strikes me as a very open one. I think England, even though they'd never won a major tournament, they went into the Euros last summer. I do think they went in as favourites. I think if, if we can try and remember before they'd, they'd won it, I think they went in as favourites. And I think there was a general feeling that England really, really could have won that Euros. And they did. I don't know if any team goes in that widely fancied this time. People are mentioning the USA largely only because of what they've achieved in the past. Yeah. yeah, It's going to be very interesting to see where it goes from here. Well, it's early days at the moment. Denmark are next, um, and maybe we can catch up after that game. Sounds good to me. Many thanks to Don there. He mentioned his chat with Beth Mead. Uh, you can find that easily via his Twitter page, at Mr. Dom Smith. Now, we heard from David Gorton earlier in the show. Let's catch up with him again. Well, full-time score at uh, Suncorp, England 1, Haiti 0. Not a great performance from the Lioness, it has to be said. Georgia Stanway penalty in the first half, the difference between the two. Some excellent stops from Mary Herbs in the second half, which prevented the Haitians uh, from getting an equaliser. Um, must do better, I think is the phrase here. We've got... Uh, I've made my harder kids coming out. Um, let's see what happens in Sydney. Hi folks, uh, well at the time of recording it's just after 11pm Brisbane time I'm back in my hotel having sat through England's opening game against Haiti in the Women's World Cup. A 1-0 win for the Lionesses in what can only be described as a somewhat lacklustre performance against the tournament newcomers who in fairness defended like their lives depended on it and even had a chance to take something from the game. It's not uncommon in football for a supposed minnow of the game to try and dig in, frustrate the opposition and get something on the counter and that very much seemed to be Haiti's game plan. And as a result, England's attack seemed to be somewhat frustrated in any attempts for either off-target or comfortably plucked out of the air by the Haitian keeper. Essentially, the game was decided on a couple of VAR decisions just before the half-hour mark. Firstly, the penalty award, quite rightly given as the replay showed that the defender pretty much tried to catch the ball as it went over ahead. And then perhaps even more importantly, the order to retake as the keeper apparently came off a line too soon. However, all credit to Georgia Stanway for putting the second chance away, having had the first one saved, and that must be an incredibly difficult situation to be in. So can we draw any positives from the game? Well, positive number one is that we won it. And they always see you need to start a tournament with a win, and that's what we got. Um, I'm reminded that Bobby Robson's England ground out three results in the first round of Italian 90 and ended up making the semi-final, so who knows what can happen from here on in. Positive number two, and that's the performance of Mary Earps in goal. Uh, not given a great deal to do before the break. Pulled off three excellent stops in the second half, especially the second one, which was a one-on-one, which he stuck a foot out and stopped from going in. Looked like an absolute certainty that the strike was going to score. Lionesses now have six days to go before the next game, and that's the All-European Clash with Denmark in Sydney on Friday. Um, on paper, a harder game, but who knows? Um, not sure if the long delay is a good or bad thing with regard to getting that out of the system. Um, 12 months ago, on paper, Norway was a harder game than Austria, and we all know what happened there. Um, not saying that's what ha- what's going to happen again this time, but uh, let's see if we can get tonight out of their system. 
Now, personally, with the gap between games, I am going to take a detour. I'm going to head over to Melbourne. Uh, as it's impossible for England to be playing in that city, uh, I'm going to be taking in uh, Germany versus Morocco on uh, Monday. And that's just a bit of ground hopping there. Also, we do another touristy stuff like going on a steam train and having a tour of the Melbourne cricket ground and other bits and bulges I can fit in in the, uh, the couple of days when I am over in Victoria. So, in the meantime, let's keep the face and see if we can turn this around uh, next week. Thanks to David there. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. As we know, Denmark are next. I'll be looking to bring you a review of that. Uh, For those of us watching on the telly here in England, it's on Friday the 28th of July with kickoff 9.30 in the morning. Uh, This one you'll be able to find on the BBC. As Group D stands at the moment, after one game, it's fairly even. Denmark and England top with three points and one goal each. China and Haiti, third and fourth, with no points and both one goal against. Don't forget you can find the show on social media. Just search Three Lions Podcast, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Threads. Uh, Mustn't forget Threads, even though I do. Uh, Yeah, just give it a search on there. Give it a follow, a subscribe, whatever you need to do. I like. So until that next time, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Cheers.